Hi there and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. Today I have the privilege of sitting down and talking with Jamie Ivey, who happens to be one of my all-time favorite podcasters. Jamie's also a speaker, author, and talk show host, and she's here today to share about the new marriage book and study that she and her husband Aaron co-wrote called Compliment. I can't wait to get started and just jump right in and talk about it. Jamie, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. This is so fun, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get into talking about your book, we like to ask our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you like to go to feel close to God? You know, it's not necessarily a closet, and I hope that's okay with you and your listeners. Oh, but... it is. It can be crazy. <laughs> get crazy. Um, I love to walk, and I used to be a runner, and so I just have some injuries that have kept me from doing that. And so I love to walk in my neighborhood, and we live a little bit out in the country, so like my, my our family lives on about four acres, and our neighborhood's kind of spread out, and so I just want you to get the picture. Like, I'm not walking past, like, houses in suburbia. It feels really nature-esque for me. And so that is one of my favorite places, uh, not only just to kind of unwind and, you know, breathe a deep sigh of breath at the at the end of a day or the beginning of the day mostly, but it is a really place, a really great time and place for me um, to talk to God. And so that would probably be one of them. Another one would be um, my car. And then believe it or not, I have always, I, I have an office that I go to and work at, Jamie. And so... Um, I like to get here before, there's only one other person that works here, but I like to get here before anyone else and really spend time with God just in my office. And it helps me kind of leave my house and get started and get my day going. So I gave you like four different answers, but I hope that's okay. <laughs> that just means you pray a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tried to, I was talking with someone just the other day. Um, who was I talking to? Was I reading a book? Oh gosh, Jamie, I was reading something where was I doing? This is going to bother me more than it's going to bother you. But they were talking about how um, when we are praying and talking to God, it's not just this like, oh, we're going to sit down. Oh, I know what it was. I was interviewing a girl and she has a book coming out called The Well-Watered Woman. In her book, she talks about, you know, spending time with God. And, you know, I grew up in like, you got to have this quiet time, which means you got to have these, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and, and spend time with God, which is great and lovely. She's like, actually, it's just like a conversation, an ongoing conversation throughout the whole day. And that's kind of what I feel like is best for me is that ongoing conversation throughout the day, which is what we should be doing. So, yeah. And I think it's easy to put it off when you say I have to take 30 minutes or I have to take an right. hour. It's easy to put it off. And when you just think of it as, well, he's always there. And let me just send the shout out and, mm -hmm. and talk to him right at this moment. Yeah. I love the fact that you pray in your office, though. I think we compartmentalize sometimes. And I know that you have a ministry. It's not just business. It's it's God is involved in your business. But it just it inviting God into that space has to be powerful too. just doing the praying where you're doing your work. It is. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I like to get things done. And so I have a tendency to uh, just get going and get moving. And when I get up in the morning, like I try to be in the kitchen with my kids when they're getting ready for school, which all my kids are big. And so I'm not making their breakfast. I'm not making their lunch. I'm just sitting there with them, which sometimes my husband's like, you know, you don't have to do that. But there's just something in me that I just want to be in there with them. But then when I get to work, I had this tendency to just jump in and it really causes me to kind of reevaluate what my day is going to look like when as soon as I get to work, I spend, you know, that time reading my Bible. I'm in Matthew right now or, or doing my new Bible study that I'm doing with my friends. And then I can go throughout my day and continue that. But it really helps me set the focus of what I'm doing here. Yeah. And, and sometimes it could pivot your day. You know, I feel like 
as you invite God into it, maybe your plans weren't his plans. Maybe you get to something you didn't think that you were going to do, or you don't do something that you had planned to do. And yeah, that's a good thing. and it looks different all the time. I mean, I, yeah. I have these sheets that the listeners can't, but I write down my day when I get to work. And so it's just, I don't even know where I got it, but it just has the hours and stuff. And I live by this. And what you'll see for today is it says Bible study at 9am because my girlfriends were here for the Bible study. And then it has your podcast listing that we're recording right here. And then at two o'clock, from two to three, it says study. And for me, that means I'm going to get out my Bible study that I'm working on. And I'm going to do that there. And it's like in the middle of my work day. And again, I have a really flexible work life. I'm like, I'm the boss here, so I can do whatever I want. But that point of just saying, hey, it doesn't matter when it is. I'm going to like schedule out that time that I'm going to really sit with God's word and, and dive into it. And so it looks different all the time. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like two o'clock today is when I'm going to open my Bible and do some more studying. Yeah, well, that's good. That's always good to put it in there or it slips yeah. away and doesn't I know, get done. right? Yeah. Well, I'm really excited to talk about this book, these books. It's actually more than one book. I love the way you did it. So you and Aaron are launching this like really creative marriage project called Compliment. So can you just tell us about what makes it unique and why you chose this format for this book, these books and this study? Well, thanks, Jamie. We think it's unique and we're really excited about it as well. We, it's funny because we always said we'd never write a marriage book or a parenting book. I mean, you know, it feels <laughs> like those are where you need the experts, you know, the the really smart people to write those books. And uh, we've got tw- almost 20 years of marriage under our belt. And so we we don't know the most about marriage, but we have some experience with marriage is kind of how we're looking at it. Uh, and with parenting, I'm like, man, these kids are still here. Let's just wait and see, see how this goes. But we wanted to also write it as a unique perspective from both of us. And so like you said... The book, it's like a set. So it has like a little box covering. It's like you would get like a CD set, you know. And so it has two books in there, one written by my husband, Aaron, and one is written by me. But what we did that was also unique is we took these 10 topics, these 10 ideas that we think are probably one of the the, the most things that you're going to walk through in a marriage, whether that be we, we, we tackle such things as like love, cheering, serving, fighting, following, leading, sex, parenting, mission. We go through all these, but we wrote our books individually. And so we never sat down and said, hey, you tackle this part leading and I'll tackle this part of you know mission. We just wrote each of our sections as if we were just writing to our audience. And then the other unique thing about that is not only did we not talk about what we were going to write, Jamie, we did not read each other's books until they went to the editors. Ooh, I was just going to ask, did you cheat? Like after you, oh, well, I finished the chapter. This is what I did. So you didn't, you just totally, we totally, left the whole thing for we surprise. totally, totally. I actually think, I don't want to be a liar. I think there was one chapter that I was like, babe, I'm so stuck. Can I see a little bit of what you've done? But mm-hmm. for the most part, we didn't sit down. We did not read each other's chapters until they went to the editors. And so the reason mm-hmm. that was important to us is because we wanted reader to know like you're getting exactly what I Jamie Ivy would say about leading or following or serving and not like what goes well with what Aaron's saying if that makes sense and so we really wanted to write two different books on the same topics and so that's what we did and we're super proud of them we think it's a really cool set that you get and our intention is not just like you get the set and the woman reads mine and the man reads Aaron's we want that to happen for sure but we would love it if then you would like switch books and then each read both Uh, both perspectives on the same topics. Which I think is really helpful that you didn't compare notes or write it kind of in tandem because the husband will be reading your unaltered version of of what you think without any 
you know, and vice versa. So do you feel like as you read these, each other's books that you grew closer together or you understood, was there, were there any surprises that in reading these books that you discovered about each other that you didn't know? Good question. I mean, I'm sure that there were. I mean, the the best part about it to me was like if I would read Aaron's book and he like said something really nice about me, I'm like, oh, babe, that's so nice <laughs> that you wrote that. And he's like, well, I mean, it, it just felt good to, you know, read his nice words about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that nothing surprising for sure. I don't think so. I think that, you know, it was interesting to see how some things we're like, oh, man, we said the exact same thing. And then I remember reading something and this would be a better story if I could remember, Jamie. But I remember thinking, oh, like we came at that from like two different, you know, avenues. Like, you know, the interesting chapters are like the leading and the following, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes that can get a little bit mixed up within churches about what does that look like within a marriage? And so I think that was a really those are two really great chapters to get both of our perspectives on it. Um and it's, it's just, I think it's beautiful the way they turned out. That's great. Well, how, how would you say, um, that you're, well, first of all, what importance has the role of prayer played in your life personally and in your marriage together specifically? Yeah. I mean, prayer is a, is a discipline, you know, we were talking about earlier about what that looks like. And, um, I think, you know, after, being married for 20 years and being a follower of Jesus for about 22. Um, it's something that I've grown in a lot over, over my time. And I think that the reason I've grown in it is because when you, when you live enough life, you go through a lot, you know, more hard things, potentially. I'm not saying that there aren't hard things when you're 22 and I'm not saying that some 22 year olds don't have the hardest thing ever. Uh, but I'm saying the older I get and the older my kids get and the longer we live life, I feel like there is this yearning for this closeness to God. And so that has grown a lot in my life. I have, a really, really close friend of mine who is a phenomenal prayer warrior. In fact, I have two friends who are phenomenal prayer warriors and they've taught me so much. So that's growth. As us as a couple, um, I have seen God unite us over decisions that we are both praying about individually and then praying about together as a couple that only he could unite us in a way um, in those decisions. Um, you know, one of the most recent things, and we talk about this no, not, I talk about it in another project I did, but talk about having to make a decision where we were praying together about um, leaving our current position, his current position at church and going someplace else. And that was, man, that prayer time that summer brought us so close together because we were so desperate to yeah. know what God wanted uh, for our family. You know, it, it, I don't think that God calls just a husband somewhere. I think it's an entire family. And so we were walking through that and the closeness that God brought us through that, uh, was beautiful. And we had to really go into something together. Like we're fighting the same battle. And so prayer has done that for both of us in those different seasons. I mean, I could list out a ton of seasons with like kids and health and all kinds of things where God has really uh, united our hearts through a common prayer request. I was gonna say prayer request, but you know what I mean? Like a common need for Mm -hmm. God to show up that's been so unifying to us as husband and wife. Yeah. Well, and I imagine after 20 years of marriage, my husband and I have also been married for 20 years and you know, the ages and stages of kids impacts your ability to connect and pray. How would you say over these years, um, the ages and stages of the kids have affected your ability to connect together just in general, and then also to have time to pray or take time to pray? 
I think that's something that I that no one had told me about, Jamie, and I'd be interested to see what you say as well, is that the older your kids get, the less alone time you have. Isn't I was just thinking about that. It's crazy. It's, Isn't that strange? It, it is strange. Now, I will say, you know, all of our kids are teenagers. And so there are some evenings where I like look around and I'm like, they're all in their rooms, you know, and that bothers me as a mom. And my husband's like, they're doing homework. They're teenagers. <laughs> They've been around people all day because our kids are still in school. They just needed some space. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, but I also say like, you know, our kids are just up later, you know, they are just, it's just life is different. And so, you know, as far as that affected our life a lot, I mean, it's affected, you know, us having to fight for intentional nights together, whether that's at home or on a date night outside of the house, we have to fight for those more than we ever did. I mean, I remember when our kids were little, they'd go to bed at 730. Right. I mean, if, if I went to bed at 10, look how much time I have before 10 o'clock. And now we find ourselves a lot of nights going to bed before some of our kids, you know, because they're up doing homework or they just got home from wrestling or fill in the blank. And so it affects every area of your life. And I think it affects uh, your prayer life as well, which is why over the past couple of years, some of our most like close prayer times revolve around a big thing. You know, it's like there's a big need. There's a there's something big going on instead of that everyday prayer life together, which um it hasn't always been a part of our life anyways, but now you see this bigger things happen and you're like, oh, okay, this is big. This is important. So that's kind of what I've seen over the past 20 years, especially with teenagers. Yeah. What I was thinking of was the, definitely kind of the alone time and just, it's harder. I always thought, you know, having little kids, it would be way harder. And once they got older, things get a little less labor intensive, but I, in terms of praying for your kids in terms of worrying about your kids in terms of like the stakes are higher now because they're becoming individuals and I mean it's just crazy and I was good with just staying busy you know making food and getting kids to go to sleep that was I could do that but when it comes to leading and managing our home and our kids and cultivating their character I mean good grief that is I think for me and, and for my husband and I, our prayer lives have increased in the later years because of the big events. Like you said, the yeah. big decisions, the the issues that we see that need addressing. And those are the things that drive us together. So, you know, they can be considered tough things, but they're the things that, that bring us together yeah, the most, so I would say, in prayer so and true. relying on yeah. God. Yeah. Um, well, so what made you decide to write this book? I didn't ask that earlier. What What was the need that you saw that, that made you say, okay, we got to do this? I think two things. Um, one, we got a lot of questions um, when I started working more because I was, you know, so grateful and thankful and privileged to be able to stay home with our kids when they were little. It was it was just the best thing for our family. And I, and I don't take it for granted because I know it's a privilege. Um, and then I started working more and we started getting lots of questions about just like, how is that affecting your marriage? And, you know, they would ask these questions that they weren't really asking, like who's in charge or who's leading. Mm. And, you know, we were like, man, it got so weird all of a sudden now that I'm working and we're like, nothing's changed in our marriage. You know, like we still submit to each other. We submit to God. I submit to Aaron's leadership. Like all of those things haven't changed. And so there was that idea of like, man, I think that. There's just some misunderstanding about what a healthy, vibrant, God-fearing, God-loving, um, God-shining bright marriage looks like. So that was one reason. 
The second reason was we found ourselves surrounded by a lot of younger people in their 20s, really just thinking about marriage for the first time, or, you know, maybe they're engaged, or maybe they're newly married. And we started to realize, man, they're searching for anything that shows them a healthy marriage, you know, so a a lot of them didn't have parents that had healthy marriages, or they're not seeing these examples of healthy marriages. And so we wanted to write a book to show that it is possible to have this. Um, Like I already said, we're not experts, and it's not easy. Um, But we think it's important. And we think that God values it. God dreamt up marriage, you know, he created it for a reason. Like there's this mystery to marriage about how we get to represent, you know, God and his church. And so uh, we just wanted to show that it is possible to have a vibrant, thriving, healthy marriage. Uh, Not easy, you know, and not perfect, but it is possible. Well, I think that's the first step to having a vibrant, healthy marriage is admitting that it's not perfect. And I love that about you guys. It seems like that's front and center. You know what? It's not perfect. It's not easy. Um, what would you say have been your top marriage struggles and, and how did you get past them just for those listening that might have can I, some similar struggles? Can I just say 2020? Like, can that be like a that top could be, marriage? That could be 2020. The... You know, it's funny because, um, when Aaron and I got married, we did not have what a lot of people go through in the beginning, these really big growing pains of those first couple of years being super difficult. I, I know a lot of my friends have gone through that and completely understand why and all the things. We just didn't. And so thank goodness to God or whatever it might be, his grace on us for that. Our biggest marriage struggle came in about 2010, 2011. We've been married um, nine, almost 10 years And it was circumstantial. Our family was growing. We added two kids to our family through adoption that year. And it was just hard. It was the circumstances of our life became very, very difficult. And so we found that, man, we had a hard time using our normal coping mechanisms to get through life. And so that put a strain on our marriage a little bit. And then, you know, we were going throughout our life. And then, I I mean, we've said this a lot, Jamie, 2020, all joking aside, the from like March, April, May, June, were probably our four hardest months ever in our marriage. And, wow. you know, and if you do the math, uh, we were turning in our manuscript, you know, for this book um, in the beginning, early stages of quarantine. And so it was just, again, circumstances. We all know what happened. I don't need to hash it out. It's just like everything that we felt stable in like from a worldly sense all of a sudden is shaking and all of a sudden we're like wait what's happening here and we just um went to some poor coping mechanisms of like you know like not wanting the best for each other and you know assuming the worst about someone and so those were really hard months for us and you know here we are you know almost 12 months on the other side of that and I can look back and think man 2020 was so hard for so many reasons not only just marriage but I can also say that through that, Aaron and I have communicated more in 2020, even in the midst of COVID and quarantine and four teenagers. We've said, I'm sorry more. We have forgiven more. Uh, we have entered into conflict more. Uh, I would sometimes want to just run away from conflict. We've entered into it. And so those difficult seasons that you might have in your marriage, for us, it was 2020 and 2010 and 11. I can look at them both and think, man, I don't want to do that again because I don't like the person I was. I don't like how we were to each other, but I can say, man, God, you were so faithful that in the midst of us, you know, walking through hard seasons and in the midst of us even making some bad decisions and choices towards each other, man, you have grown us 
number one, in our love for you, God, and number two, in our love for each other. And so I, I hope that encourages anyone who maybe feel like I'm in the midst of just a difficult season in my marriage. A, I want to say I get it, you know. I, I don't think you get to be married for a long time and not have difficult seasons, you know. Uh, but also, uh, we chose to be faithful to each other over and over and over again, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. Uh, we had to apologize for things and we had to keep going. And God was faithful to like make us still have. That's why I can say we can still have a vibrant, loving, fun marriage, even walking through hard seasons. Yeah. And I mean, it seems like God used that time because you guys didn't run away from it and you didn't give up on it. You just, you kept going and God used that. And I mean, I'm just thinking where you are today and the ministry through this book, I mean, it's, it's equipped you with even more to be able to offer others in terms of wisdom and experience and insights into your own struggles. Not that I would trade one for the other, but you know, it's God. Yeah bringing good out of out of really tough stuff yeah and I think it's too just it reminds me like it's worth it you know like it's worth it on the other side to keep going to keep pushing through uh because I mean you you've been married as long as we have and have children I think this is about the time when marriages start to struggle even more because there's so many more things I could put my attention towards you know like when I say we have to fight for date nights, we have to fight for date nights. We have four kids, you know, they're teenagers, they're all playing sports, they're all doing plays, they're all doing all these things. Aaron and I both work full-time jobs. And so that too is like what I want to say is it's worth fighting for. And so it doesn't come easy. And I don't think anything good ever comes easy. Um, but when you continue to say, I'm going to fight for you and I'm going to fight for us, that's when you're moving forward. I love that. The temptation is to put your spouse last always. And you know, I didn't understand that for a while. And I was talking to someone about um, different motivational styles and tendencies, what motivates you. And one of the things that I learned about myself, I'm a people pleaser, I will go above and beyond to help everybody else do whatever they want. I'm externally motivated by them. And I was asking, well, why am I not externally motivated by my family? Why do they get put last, especially my husband? And the person I was talking to said, well, it's because you consider your spouse an extension of yourself. So you are not motivated by them because Mm. they're just kind of part of you. You lump them in with you. And so they get put on the same bottom shelf as you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was kind of telling. And so, yeah, you do have to fight for for that. And that's what I love about this book though, is just putting it in front of somebody is going to make them put marriage at the forefront of their mind Mm -hmm. and yeah 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 I hope so I mean I I think I tell this story in the book when Aaron and I were newlyweds I mean no kids really like our first year of marriage he got a phone call from a friend of his from college and his friend was telling him that his parents were getting a divorce after like 25 years and I remember when Aaron told me this I was just it shook me to my core because you know I'm newly married and I can't even imagine that and I remember thinking how does someone be married to someone for 25 years and then get a divorce. And the thing is now that I'm married 20 years and have four kids, I know exactly how it happened. Like it's no longer a mystery to me anymore. 
You know, when when I find out that someone is, you know, married for 20, 25, 15 even years and they're getting a divorce, I no longer go, oh my gosh, how did that happen? Um, I know exactly, well, I don't know exactly what happened in each scenario, but some of the things that happen is what you're talking about is we decide like, okay, everybody is more important than this person because this person's always here. They're not going to, you know, they're going to be here. I don't have to give them my time or my attention or my love or whatever. And that really, really impacted me in our first year of marriage and it's like we made this decision and we've made the decision continually year after year to say you are actually the most important person and so what you and I have it matters for our entire family it matters for our kids it matters for our work it matters for Aaron's ministry it matters for him as a pastor it really matters and so we've decided that our relationship is going to be very very important in fact I've told my kids often, I love your dad more than I love you. And um, that seems weird, but it is true. You know, he's like my first love um, as a person. And I think that's important for our kids to see as well. Yeah. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Well, when you talked about your struggles and just how you guys got through them, how do you think they would look different if you didn't have God at the center? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I look back at that time. And like some of the things that come up to me, like if we, when we'd have those struggles in those years and I see a very selfish person, me, and he might, I'm not going to speak for him, but he might say the same thing. Cause usually what happens is we're very self-centered as humans. You know, we just, we, we want our own good. And I already know that about myself in those moments, but the things that keep Aaron and I loving each other are the scriptures, you know, like when we read about how we need to be imitators of God, well, that's actually true. Like we need to be imitators of him. And so without that, um, without that focus, without that foundation for us, what would look different is I would continue to just self-seek. Like what's going to make me happy? What's going to make me better? What's going to make me feel good? And honestly, in the midst of arguments and fighting, like what's going to make me happy is often not what God wants for us, you know, because without God, what's going to make me happy is like, I just want to get what I want and be happy and be whoever I want to be um and that's not okay but there's also on the flip side of that so I think God calls us into this dying of self which is a whole other conversation but it's it's like that in our marriage as well he calls us to this dying of ourselves so that he can be glorified through us and that that has to happen in our marriages as well but on the flip side there's also so much overflowing goodness that we get from God within our marriages that obviously we wouldn't have without him and so it would look very, very ugly, Jamie, is what it yeah. would look like. Yeah. It well, might look, I, I think I might enjoy it, though, for a season. <laughs> That's the problem, though. You know, I like, might you have think more I fun this. in the process. <laughs> well, it's true. That sin is so fun. If it wasn't fun, no one would do it, you know? And so you think, oh, this is actually good and this is serving me well, but the long run, it's not. And so that's the tricky thing about self seeking is there are seasons when it feels good you know, to like get whatever I want, but it's in the long run, it's not ever going to be satisfying. Yeah. 
Do you have advice for the woman listening who would love to have a better marriage, would love to read these books, but doesn't have a spouse that's on the same page or even a Christian or maybe doesn't prioritize faith on the same level that she does? Um, I, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, the Praying Christian Woman podcast. <laughs> but I cannot emphasize enough the fact that you actually can't change your husband. Like right. it's it's impossible. It is impossible for us to change them because it's almost like when you're parenting and you want your kid to do what you want. And so you just want this, um, you just want to see them obey, right? But if their heart doesn't change, you're actually not doing anything. They're just obeying when you're around or they're just obeying when they think you might be watching. Um, It's kind of like that with our marriages as well. Like I'm sure that your husband could like put on a front for you, but his character and his heart would not be changed. And so Praying is the most important, maybe only thing you could do that would potentially change your husband uh, to want to care more about your marriage, to care more about you. Um, and there is a real truth to like to to begging God for that, and then to also being that faithful woman that your husband sees of you faithfully praying, of you faithfully taking it to the Lord, of you loving Him even when He thinks He doesn't deserve love. And let me tell you, that's hard in marriage. We do that with our kids all the time. My kids are jerks sometimes. And you know, I keep loving them. I keep making like dinner for them. I keep taking them to practice. I keep buying them shoes that they just outgrew. Like all these things keep happening. But sometimes it comes to marriages and we think, you know what? They don't deserve this. And so I'm going to withhold. And so I would say, pray, 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 pray. And man, don't withhold out of anger or um, wanting to like prove your point or or, um, you know, just get what you want. And I, and I mean, withhold our love and our care and our attention is what I mean when I say that. Yeah, that is good advice. And it is so easy to, to get in that trap of just thinking, well, what's the point? And, but yeah, just persevering and, and relying on God to do the changing. Cause I, yeah, yeah, I I think that's so important to emphasize. So important. There have been, um, three that I can think of off the top of my head times in Aaron and I's marriage where we have been kind of on different pages about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they were big things, but I mean, not like, are we moving to Kenya or anything, but like where we're going to send our kids to school was one. And are we going to have more kids was one. I, I can't remember the other one, but what I'm trying to say is like in those moments when Aaron and I, and this is different than a husband who's not interested in marriage or the gospel or whatever, but I just want to talk about prayer for a second. In those moments, we were like, we're missing each other. And for yeah. me, I had to quit nagging because that's, you know, in my sinful flesh, I'm a really good nagger. I had to quit nagging. And um, I started praying. And Jamie, I remember these two spe- specific times I'm thinking of, of, I prayed to God and I said, and I was on a run and, um, and I, I prayed and I said, God, Aaron and I, we, we can't come to an agreement here. And um, I need you to either change my heart or I need you to change his heart. Um, because we really want to come to an agreement. I mean, Aaron doesn't want to lead me in a way where I'm not unhappy, you know, and I don't want to follow him in a way that makes me unhappy. And so uh, we had to like come to this kind of agreement. And both the times um, I had to sincerely, sincerely believe that I was willing to have God change my heart. I was willing to have God um, change me when, you know, it wasn't like I was praying and like crossing my fingers, like, okay, God, change me. But really, you know, wink, wink, just change Aaron. Um, and I will never forget those times because God moved. And at one time he changed him. And at one time he changed me. Like God moved when we prayed and I asked him, 
will you bring us together? And so I just cannot talk enough about, and I know this is the whole point of your podcast and I love it about how important that prayer is, um, within our families and our marriages. Yeah. I've had similar experiences and I just, one came to mind, um, that had to do with whether or not to have more kids and God changed my heart first. And then I was all settled in having my heart changed. And then he changed my husband's heart (laughs) and, and kind of threw me for a loop. So it was kind of a funny little thing, but, but yeah, being willing. I mean, that's so hard to, to, you know, Mm -hmm. to even be honest with yourself enough to say, okay, am I really willing? Am I really willing to be yeah. changed? Or am I really willing to admit that I'm wrong or that this might not be the best thing? It's yeah. hard, but yeah. but yeah, God will move. I love that. That kind of takes us into the next section, which I love the, um, your, I think it's the 10th topic is mission. mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being on mission with your spouse. And, um, you know, you guys seem really passionate about that topic and I love it. Um, so what would you say that it means to be on mission with your spouse? Well, I can say, I have it written down here cause I thought you would ask me this about, um, Aaron wrote this in his book. He said, simply put marriage is mission. Its purpose is to show the world's God covenantal, unbreakable, unstoppable, unending love. That's the nature of marriage. And it's the pur- purpose of every marriage, yours and mine. And, you know, as we were thinking about, um, what our mission is, you know, that question I told you earlier that we got a lot of questions about was like, what does your life look like now that, you know, Aaron's a pastor and Jamie's a podcaster, like, how are you guys doing things together? And we always say like, we have this mission as a couple, as a family, and that is just to tell people about Jesus, like to make him known and to bring him glory. And Aaron does that through songwriting and through pastoring. And I do that through podcasting and and speaking and, you know, writing books or or whatever God might have me doing. And so we have this unified mission at the end of the day that everything that we do is going to be with kingdom purposes in mind. And, you know, the thing is, people would say, well, that's easy. You're both kind of in ministry. Right. But the truth is, like, no matter what we were doing, I haven't always done this. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a teacher and a coach before we had kids. I was a a DJ at a country radio station. You know, I was a stay-at-home mom. Like, I've done other things than what you see now that didn't involve, you know, uh, ministry, quote-unquote, at all. But we've always had that same mission of everything that we do individually, collectively, as a family is going to have one purpose, and that is to make Jesus known. And so we kind of filter everything we're doing through that lens. It's like, is this going to, you know, expand the kingdom? And listen, the answer can be yes in a lot of things, you know, as to what this looks like, whether, you you know, you're a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, or a chef, or whatever it might look like, um, you can still do that. I also think, you know, one of the things that can be so um, detrimental to a marriage is to forget that you're on the same team. You know, like we have the same mission. And so we're on the same team um, and we have one goal in mind. You know, we just, when we're recording this, you know, we just watched the Super Bowl and I'm a sports fan, so I love sports analogies. And if you think about all of the coaches that are on, um, I'll use Kansas City, I was going for them, all the coaches that are on the Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. <laughs> of all of the um, coaches on the Chiefs, they all have different specialties. You know, we got like a wide receiver coach and an alignment coach, you know, and a safety coach and a quarterback coach, but they all have the same mission. And so I think that so many times in marriages, you know, sometimes the woman can start to feel alone. Like I'm the only one that is doing this, or maybe a husband might feel like, man, she doesn't even care about this. And so that's a much longer conversation about communication, all those things. But to remember Hey, we're on the same team. 
We have the same goal here. We have the same mission in mind. We're doing this together. And so some days I feel like maybe Aaron might be like stronger with parenting. And then other days I feel like I'm stronger with parenting, but we have the same goal in mind and the same mission. And I think that one of the things that can be very difficult is when you forget that you're on the same team and you have the same goal and you're in this together. And that's why we wanted to end the whole book about mission. Yeah, because it is so easy to slip into that mentality of, and and I'm sure the devil loves this, you know, that we feel isolated. We feel like we're carrying the bigger load and, you know, just looking at what we do and what he doesn't do or vice versa and, um, and seeing our spouse as the enemy and Mm -hmm. seeing, and, and I've seen this in my own marriage. So my husband is very competitive. I'm not really all that competitive, but I sure get competitive when it comes about, you know, keeping record of what I've done and what you got that tally sheet in your head. Yeah. I'm good Mm -hmm. at tallying. Yeah. And so it really has been a, a challenge and just realizing, I just remember one of the times that I either heard in a marriage conference or a sermon or something where they talked about being on the same team and it just, it, it opened my eyes and I was like, we are on the same team. He is not my enemy. Yeah. I'm not his enemy. Like we, we need to recognize that. And I think once we do it, it robs Satan of his power to divide us, to get a foothold in our marriage. And it just helps. I don't know. It just, it softens our hearts toward the other person. It's so important. It is so important. Yeah. Well, you talked about already kind of what happens if you're not on the same page with your mission. How do you guys, do you have meetings to decide like a mission statement? What, how do you guys do that as a couple? I know everyone isn't going to be the same, but what does it look like for you? I wish we did um, have meetings about mission statement. Our My friends, the Beth Keys, they do such a good job with talking about family mission statements. And um, we have never officially, you know, laid down our family mission statement. Um, it's more of just, like I said, about what is our goal that we're going to do with our family. And so we even talk about that with our kids, though, as well. Like, you know, this is why we say yes to this. This is why we don't say yes to these things. And, um, you know, it, when I started traveling more with my work, Uh, I would talk with the kids about that. Like, okay, here's why mom's leaving. Yes, I might leave sometimes to go on a trip with a girlfriend. And yes, dad and I are always going to go out of town together throughout the year because we value our marriage. Uh, But also with my work, like when I leave, it's because I want people to know about Jesus. And so that's Mm -hmm. part of my mission as to why I would um, do this in our family. It looks different in every family, you know. Um, But yeah, we talk about that with our kids. And we just think that it's so important uh, to remember that and let them see you talking about it as well. Yeah. Well, I love that you include the entire family in it because, you know, if you're huddled in a corner talking about your mission statement and it never trickles yeah. down to the the rest of the family, then yeah. it's not as effective. That's really yeah. good. And then you can filter, you know, the yeses and the nos through that, right. that filter yeah. of, of what your goals are. Yeah. Well, um, we're running out of time. So I'm going to move on to our last couple of questions that we like to ask um, our guests. What is the biggest challenge that you face in your prayer life? And what do you love the most about prayer? I would say the biggest challenge I face in my prayer life is nothing new. It's been a challenge my entire life would be distractions. Yeah. Um, and so that's nothing that that didn't come with age 40. It didn't come with children. It's just been a story of my life. And, um, 
you know, I used to feel really guilty because I would be doing my Bible study praying and I, I, found, I decided years ago that I would put a piece of paper or a notebook next to me and I would write down if like I think of something I need to write it down. And I used to feel guilty about that. And then I really discovered that like that's actually a really good thing for me. Because if I don't write it down, it I, I will dwell on it, you know, like, oh, I need to check in with Lindsay about something. But writing it down allows me to get it out of my brain and get back where I am. And so um, I've given myself a lot of grace in that area. But I would say that is still something that I battle all the time would be distractions. That's a great tool. That's such a good, uh, uh, my co-host Alana brought that up one time that she does. She actually writes yeah. the same thing. And I, and I was like, that's genius. <laughs> Cause if I don't write it, I won't, I can't get, I can't stop thinking about it. Me and too. So, Cause I know I'll forget. Cause my mind yes, yes. is all over yep. the place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just get a little notepad, write it down. Yep. And what do you love most was, about prayer? Oh, I was gonna, I forgot the question. Um, I think what I, I love most about prayer is because I am someone who wants to know um, how, how to solve problems. Like if there's a problem, I want to know like, okay, what are the seven steps that we need to do to get through this? Um, prayer is not always that. I'm not saying that prayer is like this, like genie in a bottle. But I do feel like prayer gives me that opportunity to to present something to God. And I'm not just coming to my prayers, like laying out all my needs by any means, but it gives me this opportunity of what I feel like I get to be a part of something. And I am a part of communion with our father. Like I'm a part of a conversation with him, you know, like he, he, he wants us to come to him and, and we're invited into that space with him. And so that's what prayer looks like for me. And, and, you know, I'll go back to what, I mean, that's what I enjoy the most. And I'll go back to something I said earlier that I've really been trying to grow in. And I have two friends that will help me with this is really seeing it as a, just an ongoing daily conversation that doesn't stop and end when I close my Bible and am done reading Matthew 17. Like it is something that is a continual thing for me. And that's been um, new and exciting and valuable for me. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit. Your book comes out tomorrow. So tell us, I know you have some pre-order bonuses. It's not too late for those that are listening on March 1st because it comes out March 2nd, right? Yes. So what are your pre-order bonuses and where can listeners find your book and connect with you online? Okay. Well, you can find the book anywhere you find books. So if you get books on Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble or Lifeway.com, wherever you find your books, uh, you can get those there. Uh, I love hanging out on Instagram for social media, so you can find me there as well. Okay, so since it comes out tomorrow, uh, one of the things that authors do, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with, is they're like, hey, will you pre-order our book? And it just helps retailers know that this book is valuable. So you can still do that today, even though it comes out tomorrow. You could pre-order it wherever you get books. And if you do the book or the Bible study, because this has a companion Bible study that goes along with it, and then you go to AaronAndJamieIvy.com. There's a place for you to redeem your your pre-orders, and we're going to give you a couple things just to say thank you. We're going to give you the first chapter of each book and the first session of the Bible study. You also get a chance to win a date with us, which COVID's a little weird for dates, but we're going to send you a gift card for food, and then we're going to Zoom for 30 minutes, so it's like a Zoom date. We're going to give you some at-home date night ideas, some printable little love notes that you can print out, and so we've got some fun stuff for you there as well. That is so fun. When I read that, I thought that just is such a great idea. Date night with the Ivies. Yes, date night with the Ivies. And the love notes are so cute. I'm so, I, I just love them so much. Like one of them is um, like a, a, a deer with antlers and it says, you're so dear to me. I mean, they're kind of cheesy, Jamie, but I think they're really cute. Who doesn't love cheesy? I love cheesy. I love cheesy. 
And one of them, one of them is a tiger and his paws are up. And it says, I can't keep my paws off you. I mean, <laughs> that is so cute. So you can get that anywhere. And then just go to Aaron and JamieIV.com and you can redeem your pre-order there. Okay. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this out in prayer. Oh, you're so kind. I mean, today's, uh, you know, you know, full disclosure, everyone knows podcast world. We're not recording this on March 1st, but between now and March 2nd, uh, there's just, you know, a lot of things that happen to release in a book. And, you know, Aaron and I are talking about marriage a lot. And, and you know, I the reason that I was hesitant to write a marriage book is because I had a friend tell me, if you write a marriage book, Satan is going to come for your marriage. And I, as soon as you told me that that, that that happened right after you turned in your first draft, I thought, wow, that is, you know, maybe, maybe there's yeah. a little something to that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 2020, our hardest year of marriage, the year we turn in a marriage. I mean, it's just like, you just look at it and you're like, you, and, and that's another reason I'm like, you don't say you're not going to win. Like you mm-hmm. don't get to, you're not in this fight. You don't get to win. And so I would say, man, just pray for our marriage, you know, yeah. that, that we would not only believe these things to be true because we do, but we would remember them um, in the midst of when things feel different. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, learned, I'm talking with my counselor a lot about feelings and truth and all the things. So maybe just pray for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jamie, thank you for being here. Thanks, Jamie. I am. I think you were the very first podcast. The happy hour was the very first podcast I ever listened to. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. I actually thank was you. Googling my, my co-host and I, I don't know, several years ago, four years ago, were talking about starting a podcast and I started listening to some Christian podcasts. You were the first one that popped up and I was like, Oh, the happy hour with Jamie Ivy. This looks cool. So it's really well, fun to so have much. you on today. Thank you. All right. God, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for Jamie and just her willingness to step out of her comfort zone and the the I never statement about writing a marriage book and being obedient. Lord, we just thank you that she and Aaron were obedient to your calling to write this book. And we just pray that you would just pour your blessings out on them. God, we pray that you would hold them and protect them, protect their marriage, set it apart Use them to continue to refine each other. But God, I just pray against any of the enemy's schemes to attack them or drive a wedge between them or to cause conflict or bitterness. And we just pray that your your Holy Spirit would just be present and would strengthen their marriage in ways that they never thought possible. We just ask that you would continue to use them in the lives of these young people that have been asking questions about marriage, that you would allow this book to go out and just reach so many people more than they could ever imagine and just bring people to a, um, I I pray for salvations, even just through reading this book. I pray that, uh, that spouses would be praying for their unbelieving spouses as they read this book and that salvations would happen there. And we just pray for marriages that are already, um, between two Christians that you would strengthen them and just help them to go from mediocre or just kind of going with the flow to having amazing, strong, thriving marriages, God, that would glorify you. We pray for all of the details between now and March 2nd, that all of the pieces would fall into place. We just pray for um, everything to go smoothly and, and just for this book to be able to come out and uh, with no problems and, and no, no hiccups along the way. And um, we just pray your blessing over the Ivy home, over uh, Jamie and Aaron and their ministries. And just thank you so much for this family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. 
We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.